A very good morning to all of you from wherever you're tuning in. It's a beautiful Sunday morning this 6th day of September 2020. My name is Lawrence Agufa, better known as Lore, and today I have a great privilege to bring to you the Word of God. So today I would like to engage us in this discourse whereby I will be seeking to see how do we exercise spiritual authority in the modern world? So the title of my message is exactly that. Exercising your spiritual authority in this modern world. And so we will be, first of all, defining what authority is. And we'll be trying to find out what are the different forms of authority available. Then we'll be looking at the nature of true spiritual authority. Basically, when I say true spiritual authority, it goes without saying that then there is the possibility of there being spiritual authority that is not exactly true. And I'll be interchanging the word true and godly. And then we will look at how we can marry spirituality with the modern world where do they handshake so to speak then we'll see uh, the areas of concern in the modern world where we as those who handle or those who hold spiritual authority should be keenly looking at to see how does that affect our ability to exercise our authority in this current world and then obviously we will be having some call for action. So just as an introduction, I, I picked up an excerpt from the Vatican Council Pastoral Constitution that was formulated in 1965. This is a Vatican Vatican Council Pastoral Constitution on Church in the Modern World. And I will I'll, I'll read it verbatim. It says, In every age, the church carries the responsibility of reading the signs of the times and of interpreting them in the light of the gospel. If it is to carry out its task, in language intelligible to every generation, it should be able to answer the ever-recurring questions which people ask about the meaning of this present life and of the life to come, and how one is related to the other. We must be aware of and understand the aspirations, the yearnings, and the often dramatic features of the world in which we live. That is an excerpt from the Vatican Council in 1965. This just goes to say that we are not the first ones to think about this kind of discourse. There are people who keep wondering, and I'm, I'm excited that these are people in the faith, okay, who say, how then do we position ourselves as believers to tackle the modern world as far as pushing the agenda called Christianity is concerned and that is the direction that i will be taking uh, the next uh, several minutes in regard to looking at how do we position ourselves as christians to tackle this modern world spiritually so let's start by a couple of definitions so let's ask ourselves what is authority and anybody whom i've ever listened to um in trying to um, 
um, uh, give definitions of terms or words, they never miss out the Oxford Dictionary. And I am no exception. I went to the Oxford Dictionary and it defines authority as the power or right to give orders. And it goes further to allow us to look at authority in different perspectives, different angles. And I want to look at this term authority in the angle of law, the angle of philosophy, and the angle of what we call critical, critical theory. So in the dictionary of law, Authority is defined as a power delegated to a person or body to act in a particular way. Like now, when you hear in the corridors of justice someone saying that we have been given the power of attorney. So it allows somebody, it, this authority is a delegation given to a person to act in a certain way. In philosophy, authority is actually a person. So when you say this is an authority in a certain subject, an authority in law or an authority in mathematics, someone who's achieved something and therefore has the right to brag. Okay, so that is an authority. And then in critical theory, authority refers to the legitimacy or lack of it of the use of power. So just hold that thought because we'll be coming back there to see then how do we as christians fit into these three but at this point let me look at um the different forms of authority and we will be using scripture to back up our argument so that we can remain in the right track the original greek word authority comes from the word exousia E-X-O-U-S-I-A, and I'm not too sure if I've said that correctly, exousia, which means a derived or a delegated right. Right delegated back to uh, the different definitions of authority as per Oxford Dictionary. This is authority by law. Okay, The Dictionary of Law said power delegated to a person or body to act in a particular way. So exousia is exactly that. As in Titus 2.15, where the Bible says, These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. The word authority there in Titus 2.15 in Greek is epitage. E-P-I-T-A-G-E. Epitage. Okay? Then it continues to say, Let no man despise thee. Because an, a certain level of authority has been delegated to you, and as per Titus 2.15, then it says, go and speak and exhort and rebuke with that delegation of power called authority. Another form of authority is a projection of eminence as a mountain peak. Therefore, preeminence, superiority, or excellence. In 1 Timothy 2, chapter 2, verse 1 to 15, the Bible says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority. And the word there in Greek is huparoshe. 
and, and I hope I'm saying that right, H-U-P-E-R-O-C-H-E, Huparoshe, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. That is First Timothy chapter 2, 1 to 2, meaning you have been put at a certain pedestal as an authority. Okay, Let's talk about types of authority. And these types of authority will lead us into understanding what you and I as a believer should understand to be the authority that we are operating in. There are two types of authority. One is the delegated authority that we've talked about already. This is authority given to a person from another source. Okay. Uh, so, for example, the president is powerful because he was he was elected by the people of that particular country. Authority was delegated to them. And then there is intrinsic authority. This is authority which has to do with morality. Authority that is that is that comes out as a result of walking in a certain way. This authority is derived from one's own person by virtue of their character. Okay? And as believers, I believe that you and I have what we call intrinsic authority. And in my view, intrinsic authority can be said to be a form of holiness. And so we operate uh, primarily as Christians within the tenets of this particular type of, of authority called intrinsic authority. So remember, we're talking about exercising our spiritual authority in the modern world. So what I've done is just to take us through what authority is, tried to, in a way, spread it thin so that we can understand exactly what authority is and introduced us into the kind of authority that as believers we are operating in. Now, I want us to look at spiritual authority so that we can marry this together with how we use it or how we exercise it in this modern world. Spiritual authority is defined as the right and responsibility to exercise influence in people's lives by virtue of godly character, experience, and fulfillment of a God-given calling or ministry. Let me take that again. I don't think I said it very well. Let me, let, let me just back up again. Spiritual authority is the right and responsibility to exercise influence in people's lives by virtue of godly character, experience, and fulfillment of a god given calling or ministry this definition makes me understand that spiritual authority is not just authority given to a believer just for the sake of somebody being powerful it has a purpose it has an end game it has it has it has something at the end of it that should glorify God. And in this case, and as per this example, definition is for the fulfillment of a God-given calling or ministry. So I went ahead and gave it my own definition. And I said that spiritual authority is the legitimate power 
delegated to a spiritual man for purpose of fulfilling a God-given call for action. So there has to be reason why you are considered to have what we call spiritual or rather true spiritual authority. So when Paul in, 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 in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 8, when he said, Now, even if I boast a little too much of our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for tearing you down, at that point, we understand that the authority given to Paul, as per 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 8, it, the purpose was for building somebody up and not for tearing down. Okay, So you see the purpose to fulfill this particular action. 2 Corinthians chapter Chapter 13, verse 10. So I write these things while I am away from you, so that when I come, I may not have to be severe in using the authority that the Lord has given me for doing what? For building up and not for tearing down. So spiritual authority has a purpose. You and I, when we are given authority, there is reason as to why it is given to you for you to fulfill a certain God-given call for action. There's a long scripture, a beautiful scripture, though long, First Peter chapter 5 from verse 1 all the way to verse 5. Therefore, I strongly urge the elders among you, pastors, spiritual leaders of the church, as a fellow elder and as an eyewitness of the sufferings of Christ as well as one who shares in the glory that is to be revealed. Verse 2 says, Shepherd and guide and protect the flock of God among you, exercising oversight not under compulsion. And then it continues up the way to verse 5. So, obviously, there has to be reason as to why authority has been given to you as a believer to ensure that this particular God-given purpose is fulfilled. So I hope this journey that I'm, I'm trying to, to take you through clearly shows that authority is not just for the sake of feeling powerful and being powerful, but there is a goal and an, and an intention that we need to fulfill if we are to truly be said to have exercised our spiritual authority as per the will of God. Now, we have been looking at what authority is, and we've also spent a little time looking at what spiritual authority is, but we ought not to believe every spirit, rather test the spirits to see whether they are from God, according to 1 John chapter 4. Now, let us look at the traits of spiritual authority that come from God. And I took time to look at three traits, the first one is service. So these men go to Jesus Christ and ask them, who among these is the greatest? So in Luke chapter 22, verse 25, Jesus said to them, the king of the Gentiles have absolute power and Lord eat over them. And those in authority over them are called benefactors. Verse 26 says, But it is not to be this way with you. On the contrary, the one who is the greatest among you must become like the youngest. Basically, authority begins from a place of servanthood. A person who is willing to serve others, according to Luke chapter 22, 
is greater than the one who is um, who reclines at the table as 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 the scripture says number 2 your authority must have positive influence you ask yourself does this authority does it lead to conformity or does it promote creativity for the people that I'm leading am i leading people whom my authority or my 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 leadership over them allows them to become creative people to to dig inside their hearts and their souls to become better people for themselves does it restrict or does it liberate is it something that you you use that do you use your authority to make people free and go out and explore within their giftings to become better people you also ask yourself does it bring dependence on man or does it bring dependence on god is this authority that i have does it make the people that i'm leading think and feel that i am the beginning and the end for them that they cannot do anything unless i give it a tick or do i so to speak guide these people to the cross so that they can learn to fend for themselves and seek god for themselves you ask yourself does it produce civility uh, and 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 in explanation civility is that excessive willingness to please somebody you know, uh, when, when you call somebody a psychophant of someone, that is someone who has civility over somebody. Subservience is another word that you can use. Or does it simply create servanthood out of this person? You also ask yourself, does it depend on law? This influence, is it the kind of influence that uh, creates a, vi- a view of you as a leader with a rod or as you lead people, even when they're in the wrong, do you make them realize that there is grace in God? And so you must have some positive influence in the form of authority that you use. The number three trait that I looked at was impact. How impactful are you? And obviously we're talking about positive impact. How impactful are you in your operation within that authority, the intrinsic authority that we are talking about. Isaiah 55 11 says, uh, My word that goes out from my mouth does not return empty. There is an impact of sorts. And let me dwell a little bit here and, and, and give you some three dimensions of impact. Impact must have a mark. The mark of spiritual authority is to be like Christ. Okay. And, um, 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 in Acts chapter 4 verse 13, it says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus Christ. So the authority of Jesus upon the likes of Peter and John was such that everybody could see that these guys must definitely have been with Jesus Christ. Spiritual authority dimension number two must have a mandate what is the cause for this authority as we earlier said that you are not just being given authority for the sake of it there must have been a purpose by which god um, um, uh, gave you that authority for what is the mandate ministry trait uh, dimension number three 
what is what are you using this authority for what is the ministry there and i i quickly i would like to quickly go through what i found to be um the ideal ministry given to you as a spiritual man with authority that you have one you must guard the flock given to you and look obviously we are not just talking to 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 pastors here we are talking to to family men and your flock is your family and family men family women your flock could be your 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 job that which you which that thing which you have dominion over consider that to be your flock so whom are you guarding this flock against Acts 20, 28 to 30, you guard them against wolves, uh, people or things that come to, de- to, 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 to eat up uh, that which you've worked uh, very hard for. You guard them against false doctrine. Consider your children um, whom when they go and mingle with other people, they always come with information that is not necessarily godly. Guard this flock. You guard them against deceivers, against those who cause divisions as per Romans 16, 17 to 18. Um, you can look that up. You guard, you guard them against immorality. For example, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, 9 to 13. You also guard, you use your ministry to guard, to govern your flock by tending to them, by correcting them, by bringing order to them, by making decisions uh, that affect them. You also guide this flock, okay, by teaching them the word, by equipping them and preparing others for, 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 the, for the work of ministry as of 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 2, by imparting passion to them. If, if say, my children see me uh, doing something correctly, chances are they will also want to do the same when, when, when they grow up. Now, you know what authority is. You know what spiritual authority is. You also know what true spiritual authority that comes from God looks like because you have the traits or what I call the telltale signs of true spiritual authority so we ask ourselves what 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 are we going to do with this authority especially in this modern world remember we are talking about exercising our spiritual authority in the modern world you here and now how do you package the authority given to you as a spiritual man in affecting your world now and allow me to tell you a story, a story that you probably have heard before because I've had it mentioned here before. In the USSR, there were a lot of timber work fields which employed quite a few workers. And there was a time that there, were, there was a wave of petty thieves. So these guys would steal very uh, small, tiny things out of the timber work fields. So one of these petty thieves was known as Petrovich. And there was a, a guard who came to know that Petrovich was actually acting quite weird. Petrovich, what he would do, he would every evening walk out of the field with wheelbarrows. And these wheelbarrows had a stash of of, of stuff on top of them. So one time, this guard asked Petrovich, you always walk out with with this wheelbarrows and the things here and every time i check i only find a stash of uh of sawdust and shavings so the guard asked him look petrovich i was not born yesterday so i need you to come out with the truth and petrovich kept telling him look 
sir, this is only sawdust and shavings. So every time the guard allowed him to go out and the next day Petrovich will come back with another wheelbarrow with a stash of sawdust and shavings. So the guard finally got very frustrated and asked him, you had better tell me the truth. What are you getting out of these fields? And Petrovich said, I know you. And I know that if I tell you the truth, you're going to release me. What I steal out of the fields are wheelbarrows. Now, ladies and gentlemen, in the same breath, could it be that modernity is our Petrovich stealing wheelbarrows from us and, and, and wheelbarrows here, you can consider it to be our Christian luster that we've enjoyed over time our ability to exercise our God-given authority, thus making us less impactful? Could it be that modernity is what is being used to sneak out the things that we have known for a long time as Christians as our authority, the stamp that we use to say that we are still impactful in our modern world? And the Bible tells us not to be ignorant of the devil's devices. And so we need to be, to be careful to see if modernity is what is, so to speak, um, diluting the luster of the modern Christian today. I, I, I read somewhere that the direct translation of the word modernity came from latin word modo which means just now and this man says modernity is not a fancy word for change and little of it can be understood merely by watching trends and keeping up with the latest technologies he says that to grasp modernity is a challenge and that it requires an understanding of the whole and not simply just the parts of it I saw an interesting observation from a group of an uh, from a group of evangelicals, actually an existing evangelical society, and they actually converted that observation into a thesis. They wrote that in AD 989, Christianity had held a very tiny segment of the globe and had made only a limited impact on the deep paganism that underlay the official layer of Christian civilization. A millennium later, uh, she is the world's leading faith, that is Christianity, and lays the strongest claim to be a truly global religion. And they continue to say that no persecutor of four in 2,000 years has wreaked such havoc on the church as has modernity. And the strongest theory that explains this analysis is one that was used as a tool by Marx and Angels, but which is rooted in purity puritanism and the bible it's called the grave digger thesis it's it, it, it briefly states that the christian church contributed to the rise of the modern world the modern world in turn has undermined the christian church thus to the degree that the church enters engages and employs the modern world uncritically the church has become her own grave digger a thesis by the evangelicals now, at this point, please allow me to highlight that I may not have answers to the question that you may be asking yourself, how do I exercise spiritual authority to impact the modern world? Perhaps my role today is simply to rattle 
are possibly underlying concern about our ability to impact the modern world as spiritual men and women. And so I will just uh, uh, highlight a few areas of concern even as I close and as I marry all these things that we've been talking about so that we can see whereas we are spiritual people what are these proverbial wheelbarrows that might be sneaked out of our space as Christians hence nullifying what we have been doing and what our our the, 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 the fathers of faith have been doing over time. Let me highlight number one technology. Technology is by far something that has come to simplify how we do things in our day-to-day living. Yet technology is like a double-edged sword. It can build and it can also destroy. CNN, a CNN opinion article offers solid proof that there is need for, for there to be media psychologists because it has indicated that there are a lot of um, technology users who end up at a bad place because of what they've experienced they, they have experienced excuse me within the technology space according to the report the effect that social media smartphones and other digital devices have on particularly children is immeasurable this article said that american children because this is this is an article that was written um, specifically for the u.s american children at at, are two years old and by that time they already have 90% of them having an online history meaning at two years 90% of the children nine out of ten children have had an experience with technology at the age of five more than 50% regularly interact with a computer or tap, tablet device and between age seven and eight youngsters regularly are playing video games the article says that teens nearly 3,500 times a month text using a particular IT platform and by middle school age they are spending more time with media and hear this they are spending more time with media than they are spending with parents and teachers and so you pose the question and ask yourself if then technology is taking over the role of the parent and my scope is to talk about the Christian parent who um, exercises his or her authority to bring up the child in the ways of God, then what does that mean? Your authority is quickly being sneaked out just like Petrovich was sneaking out the wheelbarrows. Doctrine is another area of concern. And there's a paper that has been done by a Pakistani known as Rashid Menas, which whose title is Impact of Modernization on Religious Institution, a case study of uh, Pakhtun Kwa, a place in, 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 in Pakistan. And it says in part, at present modernization, globalization and social change are creating very drastic changes in every sphere of life. These changes have both negative and positive impacts on the society. Modernization is also creating very serious changes in the social institution of religion. 
In Pakistan, modernization has very severe impact on religion and many subsects have been created under the religion of Islam. Each and every sect is claiming that their teachings are true. Now, I'm not here to argue about what Christianity in terms of doctrine is doing and what Islam is doing, but modernization has also introduced very, very sneakily uh, what I call false doctrine. And doctrine is therefore another area of concern that we need to be very careful about even as we tackle the issues that are currently pressing. Another area of concern, passiveness. And passiveness is defined as a trait of being willing to yield to the will of another person or a superior force. And passiveness, especially among Christians, would mean that since there is an overload of information now, then you are at a better place, and, and, and I've put that in quotes, you are at a better place, quote-unquote, being quiet just so that you do not find yourself in the wrong side of the argument. And passiveness then is a trait of remaining inactive or there being lack of initiative, meaning because you do not want to sound as though you are wrong, as a passive Christian, then you prefer to be quiet. So modernization or modernity brings about other options or alternatives of something that you know may not be accurately true. And because you are passive, then that which is half truth passes as a new form of truth. And that affects our ability to exercise our spiritual authority. Another area of concern is what I call excesses. And particularly, when you talk about excesses, you're talking about the things which happen. Yes, they are good from the onset, but as they progress, then they begin to, to nullify the goodness that were intended for it. In quality management, there is something called gold coating. And gold coating is when you are told to do something by, say, a customer, and you end up doing it, yes, but then you end up doing far much more than what the customer required um, to be done. So you spend more money, which the customer will have to pay, and then you overload what was supposed to be done by some excesses ending up making the initial need for that item to disappear. And modernization gives us very many options that if taken without consideration, then you easily miss out the point because these are what we call excesses. Talk about pulpit excesses, for example. The things that did start correctly, they started with the right argument, but they end up causing you as a believer to miss out on the point. People who major on majors and they minor on minors. And the question is, are we as Christians able to sling a stone at a hair and not miss? According to Judges 2016, it says there were 700 choice men who were left-handed among all people all could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. How accurate can you be even in your ability to 
exercise your authority avoid excesses simply put another area of concern is lack of continuity i've also called it lack of mentorship i i, I wrote down here that truth that is recorded lasts longer so for example uh, if you know something that is useful for your generation and take time to explain it to the younger generation and hopefully they heed to what you have said chances are they will also teach the same truth to their generations to come uh, uh, in exodus 1 8 the bible says now there arose a new king over egypt who did not know joseph there are times when generations that take over from you unless taught the truth they may not know what truth existed and therefore the the more we 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 the, the more generations that come on board without knowing the truth that originally existed the more uh dilution that that truth is exposed to so if you do not spread the truth wide enough soon new truth will have to emerge and and that is another um area of concern so as i close we have been talking about authority and we we discussed what spiritual authority we saw what true spiritual authority based on the traits that i highlighted and then we have looked at what modernization is and how modernity or modernization is being used to sneak out the authority that a christian like yourself and i should have and we have then looked at what areas within our modern world are of concern to us or what areas should be of concern to us even as we attempt to exercise our spiritual authority and now i think what is left of me is just to highlight my call for action and i have four quick ones number one as a believer it is imperative that we find our voice or let me say we find our voice again that we be able to know that it is required of us to speak and to stand for truth even though it might not be popular number two we need to begin to play our part do what ought to be done at the time that ought to be done so that we are not passive christians number three we discuss intrinsic authority earlier on and my call for action is that we as christians need to cultivate our intrinsic authority that it can come out uh with 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 clarity as it ought to and lastly we need to be to, to be aware as the bible says to be aware or to beware of the sin that easily entangles so that we are not found compromised even as we attempt to exercise our spiritual authority so ladies and gentlemen as believers i believe our role is to be impactful and to influence uh, the world positively and so as you take on this week i hope and pray that we will be considerate of our authority and also be uh, considerate of our environment and the modern world so that we maintain our our influence and we maintain relevance 
as Christians. Uh, thank you very much for listening. May God bless you and may you have a lovely week ahead.